Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, if you would, to to the book of Psalms. Psalms 23. I'm going to read one verse here in just a few minutes. But I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about what's love got to do with it. Yeah, uh, that, that resonates, doesn't it? All of you have heard Tina Turner sing that song. She recorded it in 1984. The last verse of that song says, I've been taking on a new direction, but I have to say I've been thinking about my own protection, and it scares me to feel this way. I read that verse, I've heard it a hundred times, and I thought, you know, that speaks to a lot of people in our culture today. Taking on a new direction, thinking about my own protection, and it scares me to feel this way. What that speaks to us is that we need someone to watch over us. We need someone to help us, to guide us, to direct us. And God the Father steps into that role. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. You know the, you know the course to that song. What's love got to do? What's love got to do with it? What's love but a secondhand emotion? What's love got to do, got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? That's almost sad when you actually hear those words. That song has a great beat to it, but the message is one that will get you down if you aren't very careful. Well, I wanna share with you a message about God's love that will not get you down, but that will encourage you and build you up and strengthen you and enable you to live during these difficult days and difficult times. I read the story of a 80-year-old woman, actually she was in her 80s, I'm not sure how old, that was marrying for the fourth time. A reporter heard about it, went out to interview her. And she said to her, so how does it feel to be marrying when you're in your 80s? And she said, oh, it's great, I'm loving it, it's gonna be wonderful. She said, may I ask what your future husband is going to do? What's his occupation? She said, oh, he's a funeral director. The reporter thought, okay. And then she, off the cuff, said, so your three previous husbands, what did they do? She thought for a moment and then she smiled and said, well, my first husband, I married in my 20s, he was a banker. My second husband, I married in my 30s, he was the ringmaster of the service, circus. My third husband, I married in my 60s, and he was a minister. And the, the, the reporter looked at her and said, my, that's really an unusual, diverse group of careers in your husbands. Why, why do you think that happened? She smiled and said, oh, that's easy. It's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. I always have to run those stories by our millennials and make sure they get them. Uh, that one passed this morning, amen? What's love got to do with it? That's really a question we need to look at and examine this morning. John 3, 16, anyone who's been around church, ever been exposed to the gospel, has heard that scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It begins with, but God so loved the world. The Greek word for world is cosmos. And it means not only the earth, but everything in the earth God loves. And that includes you and me. We read in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. It's interesting, John 3, 16 tells us God's plan. 1 John 3, 16 then goes on to tell us how we know God's love for us. John wrote it this way, but this we know love, by this we know love, 
Because he laid down his life for us. Because he laid down his life for us. Think about it. Augustine said, God loves each one of us as if there were only one of us. That's a pretty powerful statement. Let me say it again. God loves each one of us as if there were only one of us. We know and we've heard it, God is love, and that's absolutely true. He didn't need us, and he doesn't need us, but he wants us. That's a phenomenal concept when you think about the God of the universe, the creator of all that is, who's omniscient and omnipotent. The God who spoke the world into existence doesn't need us, but he wants us. And because he wants us, he sent his son to die for us to display his love to you and me. Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God commendeth, that word can also be translated demonstrates, God demonstrates his love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's an amazing concept of love. I want you to think about it for just a moment. Is there anyone you would die for? Is there anyone you'd take a bullet for? Is there anyone you'd step in front of to allow them to live and you sacrifice your life? You see, that's exactly what Christ did for you and me. He stepped in front of us. He took the penalty and the punishment for our sin so that you and I could live. Oh, that's great news to me today. Should be great news to you as well that God loved you so much. He sent his only begotten son. God's love runs deep. It's beyond our full grasp. We will never be able to wrap our mind completely around it. But this is what we do know. Love is a very deep human need. It's also very misunderstood and misused in our culture today. Listen, loving someone doesn't mean you move in and shack up with them. That's not what it's about. Loving someone doesn't mean you abuse them or take advantage of them. Loving someone, somebody needs to hear this, doesn't mean you belittle them, talk down to them. Take them for granted. Loving someone means that you step between them and the problem and you're willing to pair the punishment, whatever may be coming. Amazon lists 2,652 book titles regarding heaven. There's 10,304 book titles for money. 16,765 for sex. 18,818 for God. But for the topic of love, there's 30,066 book, 66 book titles sold on Amazon about love. It shows us how deep that need is, how much we crave it, long for it, pursue it, because it's built within us. It's in our DNA. We have got to love someone and somebody. You know why that is? Let me tell you why that is. Because Ezekiel chapter 3, or Ecclesiastes, pardon me, chapter 3, verse 11, the writer wrote, God has put eternity in their hearts. You see, God created you to love Him. God made you to walk in relationship with Him. God desires more than anything to establish that covenant love with you so that you can walk out of darkness into his light, away from sin and the punishment of sin and into the promise of life eternal. 
God loves you. I've come to tell you this morning, God loves you. And he would love you if you were the only one. Three things I want to share with you this morning, then I'm done because we got a lot of fun things happening at the end of this service. Number one, Mike and Valerie are going to get married today before you leave. It's going to be exciting as we watch them exchange vows. Number one, write it down. God's love chases us. God's love chases us. Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But I want you to hear how the message translates it. The message says, your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. You see, when you understand and experience God's love, you never want to leave. You never want to walk away. You know why that little gal loves me? Because I am committed to her. We're in a covenant relationship. We're moving forward together to see what God is going to do in our lives. I would, I would be devastated if I lost her because I love her. Do you all understand what I'm saying? God's love chases us down. Scripture teaches us that God is on a quest. He's actually a seeking God, a chasing God, a pursuing God. It's his nature for his love to chase us down. It is who he is and what he does. Think about it for just a minute. That the God of the universe, the omniscient, omnipotent, almighty God of the universe, who owns everything, who actually needs nothing, would seek for something and that something would be you. That's an amazing thing. So many people get hung up about Christianity. It's all about do's and don'ts. No, it's not. It's about moving into the love of God. And when the love of God consumes you, when the love of God surrounds you, when the love of God is your pursuit, then you will find yourself walking away from those things that once you enjoyed that were displeasing to him and moving into a new realm, a divine anointing and revelation in the presence of God. God is a seeker. In 2018, we had two daughters get married, one in July, one in October. So Yvonne obviously had to find a different dress for each one, right? And I remember that pursuit. Matter of fact, Cal, you had that pursuit just a couple of weeks ago, looking for a dress for Anne as the mother of the bride. I remember that. We went to every store in Tallahassee, nothing there. We went to every store in Jacksonville, nothing there. Every store in Orlando, we finally found the dress, but it was a quest, wasn't it? We had to seek it out. We had to go and look. I'm telling you, that's the kind of passion God has for you. Why would I do that with my wife? Because I love her. I want her to be happy. I want her to be fulfilled. I want her to feel comfortable on that, those two big days. Listen to me, folks. God loves you. He's pursuing you. He's seeking you. He's on a quest to find you. In the New Testament, we see that Jesus, too, displayed himself as a seeker. You can read it. It says he came to seek and to save that which was lost, Luke 19, 10. Jesus compared himself with the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go find the one. Maybe you're the one this morning. Maybe you're surrounded by the 99. 
But you're the one he's seeking. You're the one he's pursuing. You're the one he wants to bring into relationship with him. Read it in scripture. He tells the story of the woman who combs through her house looking for the lost coin. Speaking of your value. He gives the parable of the prodigal son, which tells us about a father who constantly scans the horizon looking for the son who has walked away. Maybe you're that son. Maybe you're that daughter. You've walked away from him and he's wanting to bring you back today. Psalm 139 verse 16 from the Passion Translation says, Before you even thought about God, he was pursuing you. Let me say that again. Before you even thought about God, he was pursuing you. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you haven't even thought about him. Maybe you're so distanced from God that God is just a concept that you're not sure people should even embrace. But I've come to tell you this morning, he's seeking you. He's looking for you. He's chasing you. He's pursuing you. You say, I'm not fit. I'm not worthy. Oh, listen, friend, there is no standard of worthiness or test of fitness that brings you to the love of God. You come just like you are. Why? Because when you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. The love of God is amazing. It's beyond anything you or I could ever imagine or dream. It's easy for us to love someone that loves us. But to love our enemies, that's a big step. To love someone that hates us, oh, that's a challenge. To love someone that has cussed us out, told us off. Come on, you guys are sitting there like during the headlights. Am I the only one who's had these experiences? You mean to tell me nobody's ever got mad at you and told you off? Nobody's ever cussed you out? You need to come and live where I live for a while. We're going to open your horizons and your eyes. It's easy to love those who love us. It's difficult for us to love those who don't love us. But here's the difference between you and me and God. God loves those who don't love him. That's why he seeks. That's why he pursues. That's why he's on a quest and a journey to find those who don't love you. Before you even thought about God, he was pursuing you. It's a powerful statement. Number two, God's love constrains us. By that I mean he builds a wall around us. He keeps us from going where we shouldn't go and doing what we shouldn't do. Not by commandment, but by relationship. See, that's the point I want you to hear this morning. The love of God isn't based on a set of do's and don'ts. It's based on the fact that Jesus Christ chose to die for you. He laid in the grave and on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And because of that, we also have the opportunity, the right, the privilege to declare ourselves sons and daughters of God. Well, that should be great news to somebody in this room this morning. Because we live in a love relationship with God, our greatest desire should always be to please him. If you're not familiar with that concept, read the entirety of John chapter 15. Jesus begins it with the statement, I am the vine, you are the branches. Read the rest of it. He talks about the relationship we have with him. His love builds walls for us to live within. The Bible says his commands are not burdensome. Matter of fact, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
See, we have a misconception of what the gospel really is, of what Christianity really is. It's not about this list of things. It's not about the church you go to. It's not about having a perfect attendance pin. It's about knowing God through his great love. Displayed to you and I. You ever read the book of Hosea? Very interesting book, 14 chapters. One of the minor prophets, minor not because of this message, but because of the length of the book. And in Hosea, I'm going to paraphrase this. You can read it and see what it really says. I'm paraphrasing. This is not the word. In Hosea, God says, hey, Hosea, have I got a wife for you? Have I got a woman for you? You're going to marry this gal. I picked her out just for you. Her name is Gomer. She's beautiful. Oh, she's a hottie. You're going to love her. Oh, one more thing I need to tell you. She's a call girl. She's a hussy. She's a streetwalker. She's a hooker. She's an unfaithful, shady lady. I was thinking about that. If that ever happened today in this century, in this climate, I can just see all the religious Pharisees shaking their heads. Can you believe what the preacher just did? Can you believe who he's in relationship with? Oh, that tale, it would be juicy. It'd be false, but it would be juicy. Tongues would wag across the land. I can see the headline, pastor marries a prostitute. See, that's what happened in the book of Hosea. That's what God told him to do because God wanted to illustrate through Hosea's marriage the unfaithfulness of the nation of Israel to him. How they constantly left him for another love. How they walked away from him again and again and again. How they disobeyed and broke the covenant they were with, in with God. Time after time after time. And that's exactly what happened in Hosea's marriage. Gomer left him for other men time and time and time and time again. God illustrated that through that book of scripture. I've got a question for you. This isn't negative, this is positive. Is it possible that God wants to use your, you and your life to demonstrate his love to someone else? Is it possible that God wants to love you so much that you fall so in love with him that you're willing to tell someone how great his love is? Is it possible? I believe it is. I believe actually that's his command, his commission to you and I. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Why would we do that? Because we've experienced the love of God. Because we understand how great and wonderful it is. Because we know what it means to be pulled out of darkness into the light of the sun. We understand what it means to be liberated and set free. I love that song, Egypt, that Tom sang this morning. It's a powerful demonstration of God's love for you and me. We need to understand that God wants to use us as he used Hosea. Now, I'm not telling you, this works both ways. I'm not telling you to go marry a prostitute. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying, show your love to those around you in such a way that they're drawn to the king. Drawn to the master. Allow God to move in your life. And number three, God's love compels us. Ready for this? God's love compels us to forgive, to forgive. 
The greatest problem in modern Christianity is we live with, we harbor, we hold on to, we nurse, we feed bitterness and unforgiveness. They can tell me what happened 35 years ago exactly, but they can't tell me what God did for them today. Because we don't forgive. Because we don't forgive, but yet if we understand God's love and what he has done for us, we are compelled to forgive those who offend us, to forgive those who persecute us, to forgive those who say bad things about us, to forgive those who hurt us and harm us in any way, shape, or form. Can I tell you, it's a lot easier to harbor bitterness than it is to forgive. It's much easier to just hold on to it than it is to let go of it. It's not easier on us it's easier for us. It's easier for us to remain in that offense rather than releasing it and forgiving. forgiving. But what's easier on us, believe it or not, is to be able to forgive. To be able to forgive. And that takes love. What's love got to do with it? Love's got it covered. Love covers the offense. Love covers the wrong. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. The word deeply can be translated fervently or intensely. Love each other intensely. Peter's not writing to husband and wives, although it applies. He's writing to the church. Listen, I've come to tell you, if there is a mark that should be upon the church of Jesus Christ, it is our love for God and our love for each other. Come on, people are drawn by the love of God. They're not drawn by your condemnation. They're not drawn by your rules and regulations. They're not drawn by your church membership. They're not drawn by your great preaching. They're not drawn by your great singing. They're not drawn by the wonderful classes you have. People are drawn to the cross because of the love of God. And you and I have a responsibility to demonstrate that love in forgiveness. It's a shame. When brothers and sisters in the church of Jesus Christ can't sit down and iron out their differences. Can't sit down and let forgiveness flow in their lives. You see, we need to understand bitterness becomes intense if we allow it to. To overcome it, we have to have an intense, fervent love for that individual, for that person. Now, if you don't care about them, you don't care. If not walk in a relationship with them, it doesn't matter to you. What am I saying? I'm saying that there is a responsibility written by Peter that we should love each other fervently, intensely. And he's talking to us. He's talking to you. We should love each other intensely. We should love one another deeply because the deeper the love, the deeper the forgiveness. Let me say that again. You didn't hear it. The deeper the love, the deeper the forgiveness. The stronger you love someone, the stronger you will fight for reconciliation because of that love. If you don't care much about them, you're not going to fight. You're going to lay down and let it go. But the more I love you, the more I will work to rectify the offense and restore the relationship. Believers, I'm talking to you this morning. 
It's time today to allow love to override our pain. And when we allow love to override our pain, then we're in a position to forgive. But as long as you feed that pain and feed that offense and talk about it and recite it and tell everybody you know and moan about it and lay awake at night thinking about it, you have not forgiven that individual. And the command is to forgive. The command is to reconcile. The command is to seek one another and make sure that offense is dealt with. Now listen, when I'm talking about forgiveness, that doesn't mean we always agree. All of you in this room who are Florida State fans say, whatever you say. No, no. Nobody. No, no. I mean to tell you, all right, this is my day, isn't it? All you folks in this room who are Sooner fans say, Boomer Sooner! It's me. I'm okay with that. I can stand alone in a crowd. Doesn't bother me in the least. It's crimson and cream. Again, I'm going to give you one more chance. This is it. All you who are Florida State fans, say whatever you say. Oh, there you go. There you go. Now I believe maybe you're for real. See, we have to come to the place where we are fervent and passionate in our desire to forgive each other because we love each other. You true Florida State fans, you are, uh, I'm not even going there. We don't do the Gator stuff here. I'll say boomer sooner, but I'm not going to do that. I almost did it. I'm not going to do that. My goodness. I'm surrounded by Florida State fans. I'm not stupid. All right. I'm not doing that, Dr. D. When we love each other deeply, we forgive each other deeply. When we love each other deeply, we move past the pain so we're in a position to forgive. It's imperative that you and I learn to walk in love and hence forgiveness. It's the natural outcropping of our love to one another. I would be foolish and a liar to tell you that Yvonne and I have never had a disagreement. We certainly have. But we work through them. And then we learn to forgive each other. And I'm sorry, but she's always right. You know how that goes. And she tells me all the time, I told you before we got married, that's the way it was going to be. Why is it a surprise to you now? But because I love her deeply, I'm going to walk past that. And I tell her all the time, you have forgotten that this isn't going to work if you don't do what I tell you to do. And then she says, I'm right, just leave it, let alone. See, when we love each other deeply, we forgive each other deeply. We allow love to override our pain and put us in a place where we can forgive. Tom, would you come back? You see, when love is promoted, we become peacemakers, not troublemakers. When love is promoted, we become peacemakers, not troublemakers. I said in the business meeting Wednesday night at the close that 25 years of being a senior pastor, I've never had a bad board meeting, and that's a lot of board meetings. I've never had a bad business meeting, and that's a lot of business meetings. I believe when we model love, when we display love, when we walk in love, we're going to find the same thing coming back to us. Because Paul said, whatsoever a man reaps, that will he also sow. If he reaps to the flesh, he'll, or if he sows to the flesh, he reaps corruption. But if he sows to the Spirit, he reaps everlasting life. 
Oh, come on, folks. We've got to learn to walk in love, to walk in forgiveness, and see what God is going to do for us. Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers over an offense promotes love. Don't stop there. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Are you a peacemaker or are you a troublemaker? That's my question to you today. Which is it? One or the other? When love is promoted, I will be a peacemaker. When love is minimized, I'll be a troublemaker. If the matter dies with me, if I don't repeat the offense, then I've done well. But if I choose to talk about it, whine about it, complain about it, all I'm doing is stirring that pot of offense. Stirring up strife to live in my life and the lives of those around me. Three things I want you to remember about God's love. God's love chases us. God's love constrains us. And God's love compels us. Bow your heads with me right where you sit. Just a moment, Tom's going to begin singing this beautiful song. But before he does that, I want to ask you, could it be that you're here this morning and you are the one God is seeking? You are the one God is pursuing. You are the one who needs to experience his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. That's you. I'm speaking to you. This whole message has been directed to you. Right now you're feeling a bit uncomfortable. That's Holy Spirit. He's convincing you that it's time to come to the love of God. To stop living for yourself, worrying about your own, and trust God. That's you I'm speaking to this morning. Right where you sit, online, if that's you, will you send Pastor Chris a message and let him know, that's me. I'm going to experience God's love today right where you sit, that's you. I'm gonna pray for you in just a moment. But before I pray, would you slip up your hand and say, I wanna experience the love of God this morning. I, I, that's me. Yes, yes, all across the risers. Yes, on the floor. Yes, 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 others. Slip up your hand, I'm gonna pray for you right where you sit. Yes, yes, yes. Someone else? Probably 20 hands up right now. Is there anyone else? Yes, I see you. Anyone else? I'm going to wait just a moment. I want to experience the love of God that chases me, constrains me, compels me. Yes, sir. This is your time. This is your day. Hold that hand up as I pray for you. The Bible tells us if we believe in our heart on the Lord Jesus Christ, and confess with their mouth that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth we confess our salvation. So this morning I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. And this will be your response at the close of the service. If you pray this prayer in faith, believing, asking God to do something in your life, then turn to a friend, a family member, or come and find me or... Miss Yvonne, and tell us, I prayed that prayer this morning. I'm experiencing the love of God. God's changing my life. Will you do that? If you'll do that, keep that hand up. Keep that hand up. And pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, pray it out loud, everyone. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. 
and I cannot save myself. I confess my sin to you. I repent of my sins and ask you to forgive me. Come into my life. Show me your love. Let me live in your love and make me your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Lift your heads and look directly at me, everyone. Now, those of you 20 or so who raised your hand, yeah, that's it. Welcome them into the family. You're now a part of the family of God. Things have changed from today forward. You need to be in the house of God every time, Wednesday night, seven o'clock, through those doors right over there in the green room. We have a class just for you. Let me encourage all of you to be here. Wednesday night, seven o'clock, that class will build a foundation for you and help you to move into what God wants you to do. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.